Welcome to the podcast from Central Congregational Church. Thank you for joining today. I hope this message from our church this week is grounding and inspiring, challenging and encouraging, and a helpful reminder that you are loved by God and called to great things. Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts here be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our Redeemer, so that whether it's because of me or even in spite of me, it would still be your word that is faithfully proclaimed and your name that is glorified. Amen. So today uh, we're talking about demons, which shall be fun, I think, for all of us. (laughs) What's fun about saying that right now, as I know that many of you see me as a perfect stranger, and so there's some genuine fear there, I'm going to start in an even more uncomfortable spot. Um, I was reading through the published survey results of the beginning of the search for a new senior minister here at Central. You've all seen it. One of the questions was about political engagement. Did everybody just get nervous? (laughs) This church is uniquely, or maybe not so uniquely, divided 51 to 49 of people who really don't want anything political to ever be said, anything vaguely resembling politics will leave, will have me walking out the door. Please don't. Hold on. The other 50% of the church really feels like Central should be leading the effort in politics here in Rhode Island. Isn't that interesting? (laughs) Something even more interesting was uh, my experience. You know, we moved here from uh, Georgia and on, uh, in October, when we came up to do our sort of weird interview day, uh, where you heard me preach and then got to vote on whether or not uh, I should be able to come, which is a weird thing, right? Like, we can, can, we can all sort of acknowledge that. There was an interesting fear that I felt from most people that I talked with. There was an earnest concern that I would be some, you know, crazy evangelical Christian, ready to change everything about the church here at Central, make us, uh, you know, all of, the, all of the toxic things that you think about in that movement. And then there were other folks who were worried that I was going to be the sort of epitome of the sort of de-Christianizing of church, and that I would draw our congregation into just political silos. I know you felt it. Everybody's not laughing and feeling uncomfortable because you all know it's true. We're stuck in this spot. And I felt it. I felt it in October, and I've felt it some since, this tension between how to allow our life of faith to impact our daily life beyond the walls of the church in a way that doesn't participate in the vitriol that we experience everywhere else here. To be honest with you, it's a fear that I have all the time, too. Um, it makes doing church in the 21st century really uncomfortable. 
And so when I read passages like today's where Jesus goes into a synagogue, a church, and he is standing in front of the scribes, the pastor, and hearing the scribe vaguely talk, quoting a lot of theologians, processing a lot of biblical knowledge, without ever necessarily saying anything authoritative. It makes me uncomfortable because of the way that Jesus enters into the space. It's the same tension. It's a really complicated place that all of us sit in when we come into worship on Sunday morning because we want to know and experience the abundant love of God. We want it to be tangible and meaningful for our lived lives beyond the walls of the church. But we're all hesitant to allow ourselves to be made uncomfortable by the presence of God in our lives. And so this justifiable fear of the interplay of religion and politics, which is toxic, and I am not going to, I want to I wanna assure everybody I'm not interested in partisan politics, but I am interested in the way that God's message of life and abundance impacts my presence in the polis, in public society. Please come back next week. Um, This is fundamentally what's happening in the Gospel of Mark. In the Gospel of Mark, um, the author of, the, of this book, he has no interest in patiently walking us through what it means to be a person of faith. Every single moment that Jesus encounters other people in the story is meant to challenge us from the very base, the very foundational level of our lives. It's meant to challenge the ways that we've aligned ourselves with partisan politics, with our own self-interest, with whatever it is that's keeping us from being in a full relationship with God. Jesus in Mark's gospel is not interested in telling big stories. And Jesus comes directly. The very first thing that Jesus does after experiencing the wilderness, seeing one of his uh, mentors be arrested, he gathers up some disciples, calls them from obscurity into the center of society, and they immediately walk into the church, into the public life of faith in the first century. And the very first thing that he does is he speaks with authority, unlike the the scribes, unlike the pastor who's just trying to make sense in a way that keeps everybody sort of happy but no one really inspired, Jesus comes in and challenges that very fundamental expectation and what happens is a symbolic but essential conflict where a and I appreciate the message's language, but the language of, in, the, in the Greek here, it's an unclean spirit, a demonic force in the life of the church speaks up. What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? You country bumpkin, what are you doing here? 
And so the spirit, this unclean spirit, embodies everything within us that doesn't want to be challenged. For the scribes, it was the need to sound intelligent and wise and well-researched. For the people in the community, it may have been their ability to thrive in Rome by subjugating some of their own people. It's all the attachments that we have to the right house, the right car, the right neighborhood, the right friends, the right connections, the right political associations, the right, all of these things. When Jesus comes in, challenging those assumptions, every one of us has a part of, with, has a part inside that says, what are you doing here? What do you have to say to me? Every one of us has some part of ourselves that resists the good news that there's enough abundance for all people to thrive, that there's enough, uh, there's, that, that the presence of God is there in our neighbors. All of us wants to resist that because as we learned from David French last night, the core fundamental aspect of what it means to be in America in the 21st century is that we hate somebody. One of the statistics that he shared last night that was terrifying is that a third of America is hoping, hoping for all the other people to die. Not wanting to kill anybody, but just, and I heard it from individuals even last night, like sometimes I'm just praying for a heart attack among whoever that person may be. Can we acknowledge how terrifying that is? And so we sit in this place of tension where Jesus comes into our lives, our like actual lived lives that has implications on our personal but also our systemic economics, that has implications on our personal but systemic politics, that has implications on the way that we relate to one another, sitting in the pew, but also driving in traffic and also standing in line at the grocery store and also, like, Jesus' implications in our lives go far, far beyond what we would comfortably assume. And what we have to learn how to acknowledge is that there is something... fundamentally unwilling to be challenged by this good news. I'm not one who, uh, my theology doesn't include uh, demons and devils. If yours does, that's totally fine. Um, There's a really great book that I would recommend to anybody who's sort of skeptical like me um, that uh, is... (laughs) Uh, it's called Reviving Old Scratch Um, and it's a prison chaplain Uh, he's a prison chaplain who does not have a theology of the devil, demons, Satan, all these things and he goes into uh, ministry in the prison and the language that he immediately is confronted with is every person there claims 
well, not every person, but most of his clients there in the prison claim that it was some force beyond them that compelled them to do what evil act they had done. The devil made me do it. And so he, theologically in this book, wrestles with what it means for, to have a theology of some greater power influencing the work that we do. And what he gets to, I think, is where I land as well. We all have forces internally that keep us from doing what we know is the right thing. When we have competing values between, uh, between what we hope to be and what our habits dictate in us, often we are drawn by our habit and not by our higher aspirational values. We hope to be kind and compassionate, but also we need to be mindful of the bottom line, right? Like this is the tension that many of us feel on a day-to-day day-to-day life. Some people might think of that as being a demonic force. Again, that is not necessarily the language I would use, but I think it's helpful to think about the ways that Jesus steps in to these experiences of being held captive to an external spirit or to our own habitual processes. Jesus steps into our real life where we have habits that can often keep us alienated from another. We have habits that keep us addicted to things that we don't want to be addicted to. We have habits that dictate the way that we have conversations with our friends and family, but also with people that we struggle to get along with. All of these things, to some extent, hold us captive. We are possessed. And so if you find yourself crying out when Jesus comes to challenge any of these habits, saying, just leave me alone. Get out of here, Jesus, you country bumpkin. Get out of here, Jesus, the Nazarene. Get out of here, I don't care. You're in genuinely good company. As it turns out, the people that Jesus comes to first in every setting is the person who is afflicted by these impulses that keep us divided from one another, by these processes internally that keep us from knowing how to love one another. It's the people who seem to be most fractured in their daily life that Jesus comes to first to offer a new path, to offer a new direction, to offer a new life where there wasn't one before. So I am not interested in participating in the partisan politics here. Honestly, I don't know enough about them here to really even be able to participate. But what I know is that we experience deeper divisions between one another than we have since I was born around the way that we align politically. And what I see Jesus doing is stepping into our habits of hatred for this party, that party, it doesn't matter. I see Jesus stepping into our real lives, offering us an opportunity to step away from the habits that give us comfort because they help us to participate in a tribe 
I see him breaking these things down and offering us a new life where we can be fully alive, fully free, not confined to the opinions of the other people in our tribe, but free to experience an abundance of love, of life, of joy that can only come through the presence of God. We're all stuck in some aspect of our lives. It's probably one of the things that unites us all the most. And so I would challenge you to allow your habits to be offered up to the presence of God who just wants for you to live a renewed, abundant, hopeful, gracious, merciful, and kind life. We can only do that together. Thanks be to God. Thank you so much for joining us this week. If you enjoyed this message, please consider leaving a review on iTunes and sharing it with your friends. If you do share it, be sure to tag us so that we can join in the conversation. If you would like to learn more about our church, you can visit us at centralchurch.us. We hope you have a great week, and we hope to see you back again next week.